Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. I, I remember that day. I, I don't know how I could ever forget it. It's probably the craziest day of my life. I was sitting in the darkness of my cell, really a dungeon. Felt a lot like a tomb. The water was dripping from above and I could feel the damp cold stones underneath my body. It was my day. It was my day to die. My day to be led away by the executioners and nailed to those wooden beams. Accused of an insurrection, a rebellion, and, and even a murder. I'd been in that cell for days, possibly even weeks. And with every out of a door all I could think about is the nails that would be driven through these wrists tormented daily by the guards as they explained to me how how brutal and how painful the persecution of and the crucifixion would be I remember back and they explained it to me and they said, first you'd be laid on a, on a wooden beam and they would take your right arm and they would stretch it out and they would, they would pierce the skin and then they'd begin to pound that, that stake through the tendons and ligaments of your wrist. And then stretching the left one out and doing the exact same thing, leaving your arms limp for greater pain later. Then they would take both your feet, put them together and with one stake they would drive them to the, the lower support. I remember them laughing at me as they would tell me the stories of what they had seen. They told me that as I would hang there on the cross that my body would start to go limp and, and my lungs would close off and I would just gasp for breath and I'd have to pull myself up in all the pain and agony just to catch a breath. One of them looked at me and said, that's not even the worst part. The worst part is when you become dehydrated and now your muscles begin to cramp every single one of them and you struggle to find a, a comfortable position and pretty soon out of sheer exhaustion you give up and, and now your lungs fill with fluid and you suffocate and now, after hours, you die. Now I remember sitting there in my cell thinking, I, I, I'm looking forward to that moment so that these thoughts, these torturous thoughts could just stop. And as I'm thinking this, all of a sudden I hear a commotion. It sounds like, like someone screaming. No it, no, it sounds like many people screaming. Maybe another, maybe another riot. Maybe another uprising. So I moved closer to my, my cell door and I began to listen. And it wasn't screaming and yelling at all, but rather it was chanting. And they were chanting, Barabbas, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. That moment followed by a, a quiet, eerie moment. And then the chanting once again, but this time, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. As I laid there with my ear to the crack of my door, the uproar became so loud that I could barely make anything out. I, I could barely make sense of what was taking place other than I heard footsteps coming down the corridor. And it was coming closer and closer to my cell. I heard swords clanging and keys swirling on rings and I knew that they were coming for me. 
I cowardly scooted to the, the corner of my cell, afraid to die. Oh, yeah, outside, out there with all my buddies, all my people, I wasn't afraid of anything. I wasn't afraid of anybody. But now in here, with death so close and a, and a death I so rightly deserved, I was really nothing more than a, a man on death row. No one showed up to my trial, and surely no one would be out there when I die. It's just me, all alone, by myself, to face the penalty, no, to face the payment of my actions. I remember the key going into the door, I heard it click. And at that moment, everything went into slow motion. The door swung open, still tucked away in the corner, the dark corner, trying to hide. And they called me forth. I remember crawling on my, my hands and my knees, thinking to myself, I don't want to die. And then something happened, unimaginable, something I, I never thought would happen. The words of the guard, I never thought I would hear this. See, there's something you need to understand, ladies and gentlemen. I, I wasn't just a criminal, I was a notorious criminal. Everyone knew why I was in there and everyone knew what I had done. And so when the guard looked at me and said, you're free to go, it's your lucky day. Another is to die in your place. I fell back for a moment. And I looked at them in disbelief. Uh, apparently, on this holy day, the Jews called it, they, they could petition Pilate and they could be asked uh, someone to be set free. And they asked for me. I even looked at the guards in disbelief and I was, I was looking for some sense of sarcasm on their face. Surely they were torturing me with this moment once again. But as they began to push me out without any shackles or any chains and said to me, go, man, you're free to go. Another is to die in your place. The debt has been wiped away. I picked up my pace, still a little bit scared, and I, and I moved down the corridor only to be slowed once again by the bright daylight that was coming through. I hadn't seen daylight in some time. And as my eyes finally adjusted, I looked over and I saw another man being led away. And the crowd quieted just long enough to ridicule and mock this man. I heard several of them look at him and they'd say, save yourself now, Jesus. And I watched as this man they called Jesus was led over to a post that they tied him to. His clothes ripped off of him. And they began to beat him. At first I looked on with a little bit of arrogance and maybe a little bit cocky thinking, I'm free. But with every strike of the whip, my arrogance turned to some sense of gratitude. I'm free because of this man. But, but I don't even know who this man is. I, I don't know anything about, I don't know what he's done. 
But I do know it must have been really bad for, for them to choose me to go free instead of him. And now the man they called Jesus that was led to that post is completely unrecognizable. Blood coming out from every part of his body. And then greater disbelief as I watched them lay these wooden crossbeams on his back and carry them up this windy road. Out of curiosity, I had to follow. And so I did. When we got to the top, all the thoughts that those guards used to torment me with, all of the things about the crucifixion that they used to torture me with day after day after day became a reality right in front of my eyes. Only it was, it was much more brutal, much more barbaric, much more gruesome and bloody than what they had described. barely look and watch but I did and as I watched I couldn't help but think to myself I'm supposed to be on that cross I'm the murderer I'm the rebel I'm unworthy I am Barabbas. And although what you just heard is a lot of speculation, we don't really know what happened with Barabbas. We don't know a lot about him before this story. We don't know a lot about him after this story. But one thing we know for certain is on that day, Barabbas would be the first person that ever received the grace of Jesus Christ on that cross. That Barabbas would be the very first person to understand what it is to have another die in his place. And we see this story in all four of the Gospels. Some of them carry the story out a little more than others. And today we'll read from Matthew chapter 27 in verse 11. And it reads, now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus simply replied, you have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to them, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the feast of the governor was, was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much 
because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. And Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourself. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray this morning that as we take a brief look at your word, that God, these pages would come to life to us today as we celebrate the resurrection and life that comes through Jesus. God, I pray that this morning, Lord, that each of us would take a moment to really grasp, comprehend, and understand the glorious weight of what today is. Now we would walk out of this place worshiping you even in a greater way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Happy Resurrection Sunday, everybody. Now you might be sitting there and, and you, you heard the story. And you might be sitting there thinking, wait a second, this is Resurrection Sunday. This is the Sunday that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Why, why are we reading this portion about Jesus going to the cross? And the reason I, I felt led to read and, and go after this story today is because the resurrection moment that we celebrate today is so awesome and so glorious. And we know it as such for those of us that call ourselves Christians, believers. But yet there could not be a resurrection, and the resurrection could not have the power it does if there had not yet been a crucifixion. And the crucifixion could not have as much power and weight as it does if it had not been Jesus' sinless perfection that was crucified. And it was in his crucifixion, it was in that, that very moment that the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 that the handwriting of requirements... The very thing, the very sins you had committed, the things that all humanity has done that were deserving of death, that he took those in that moment and he nailed them to the cross. And he pardoned you just like he pardoned Barabbas. It is because of that moment on the cross and the significance of it. And here's the thing, is that we have the ability to read the story and know what took place leading up to it, know what took place in the middle of it, and to know what's going to take place next. All of us have that ability, but if you are in the moment, if you are in this text and you have never read it before, 
And this story of Barabbas is perplexing. It gets left out of a lot of messages. It gets left out of a lot of movies. Or they paint Barabbas to be this, this completely debased individual that has no remorse whatsoever. But yet as I read scripture, that would have to draw just as much speculation as what I drew today. And I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but me, I would rather read this story and see it the way I saw it today than to see it the way so many other people do. That Barabbas just walked off, cocky, arrogant, and not regarding what just took place. I don't know about you, but I'd rather see it the other way. I'd rather see it the way many of you have, is that when I encounter the cross of Jesus Christ, my life is completely changed. And if it happens for you, why couldn't have it happened for Barabbas? The passion of the Christ, this, this moment in time that starts many chapters before this, when he's in the garden and he's, and he's praying and he's crying out and he's having this conversation with Abba Father, and he's literally having this moment where he knows what he's about ready to walk into, that this is going to be a painful part of his life. And he's almost pleading with the Father, if this, if this cup, if this thing cannot come upon me, let it be so. But nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. He's seized in that same garden and led away into the events that we shared this morning. But as he's being led, I keep coming back to this story of Barabbas. And I, and I, I keep having to look at it and say, what, what is this in here for? What is this moment in here for? Anybody ever had one of those days where you have your plans set and you know what you're going to do? And those plans get interrupted. Am I the only one? If you have children, it happens more often than not. If you're married, it happens all the time. Come on, somebody. You have your plans and, and you're going and doing something, all of a sudden there's an interruption. And at first, these interruptions are annoying, but, but many times these interruptions are, are literally fabric woven into your life and it, and it brings greater depth and it brings greater context, doesn't it? And that's what we find here with the story of Barabbas. And I want you, if you will, just for a moment to try to look at this story as if it's the first time you're ever seeing it. Jesus is being led away. Why is he being led away? He's being led away to die on the cross. Why is he dying on the cross? Well, we know it's for our sins, but let's just remove that. Let's just read the story. There is a man named Jesus and there is a man named Barabbas. What do we know about the two? We know that Barabbas, the Bible says he's a notorious criminal. We know that he's in trouble for, for rebellion and an insurrection and even murder. This man is rightfully on death row. But if I've read at least several pages of the Bible and I look and see who Jesus is, what did Jesus do? I mean, come on, he, he healed some people. He opened some blind eyes. He raised some people from the dead. And if you don't like that, he turned water into wine. I mean, come on. 
Barabbas, the thug, the murderer, the rebellious one, and Jesus. Healer of bodies, raiser of the dead, stalker of bars all over Jerusalem. Stop, just kidding. And you compare the two. It doesn't make sense. Surely if you're reading this story for the first time and Pilate steps on the scene and says, hey, okay, I know it's, I know it's my custom to release somebody to you on this day. Pilate several times now has tried to get Jesus to be set free. So we know his motives. We know what he wants to accomplish. He wants Jesus to be set free because he finds no fault in him. Not only that, he gets a note from his wife saying, please let that dude go. I'm having bad nightmares. So if he's not doing it for what he's feeling, come on, all the husbands in here know you do what your wife wants. Come on, somebody. So we know his motives. We know what he's trying to do. He's trying to get Jesus set free. So what does Pilate do? Pilate says, hey, bring me the list of all the criminals that we have right now in the prison. And they bring that list to Pilate, and he looks, and what is he looking for? He's looking for the most unlikely candidate. Surely they won't release somebody this bad. And so he looks, and he finds the man Barabbas. Yes, Barabbas. Okay, he, man, yep, that guy is he's scheduled to die now any day. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set this up so that Jesus can be set free. He finds the worst of the worst of the worst. And it's like they're in this arena and the greatest match of all time takes place. Barabbas against Jesus. Surely Jesus is going to win. So he presents them. All right, who, who do you want me to set free? Would you like me to set free Barabbas, the notorious Criminal or Jesus, whom is called the Christ? Surely in Pilate's eyes, this was a no-brainer. But when the people began to yell, Barabbas, Barabbas, give us Barabbas. Like everything changed. Then, then what should I do with Jesus? Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And ladies and gentlemen, as I'm reading this text, I have to ask myself, why? Why? He is not worthy. Almost to say as if we are. Isn't that easy to do sometimes, to read the Bible and say, wow, Barabbas was bad. He deserves to die. And then we go and look in the mirror and don't think anything about ourselves. Isn't it easy sometimes as you're going through life to look at some people you don't get along with real well? Your boss. And have words and thoughts about that person. How bad that individual is. What do they deserve? But I'm almost positive because as we read scripture, we know that Jesus is not on the cross because of the religious people. 
We know that Jesus is not on the cross because of the Romans. We know that Jesus Christ is on the cross because he freely laid down and surrendered his life because it was will of God the Father. And it's almost as if we could quiet the crowd for a moment that's yelling, crucify him, crucify him. We would hear God in heaven saying, yes, let my son Barabbas go free and crucify Jesus. Let my son Barabbas, Barabbas. God, you, you, you know, you've got this wrong. Jeez. I love Barabbas. I created Barabbas. I put destiny in Barabbas. Set Barabbas free. And take my other son, Jesus. And I step back and I look at the story from a greater vantage point and I see this. I see that in this whole story that God was fulfilling what he wanted to fulfill since the very beginning of time. And he's now fulfilling it in this story and he says, I know that Barabbas is unworthy. I know that he's a murderer. I know that he's guilty. But that's why I sent my son Jesus for Christ came to save sinners. For God so loved the world. See, we look at that in this all-encompassing thought. But what about for God so loved Barabbas that Jesus in that moment was fulfilling the very reason of why he came. For God so loved Barabbas, for God so loved Ben, that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Ladies and gentlemen, it is in this moment that we understand something that God loves Barabbas. And it's also in this moment that we see that you and I are Barabbas. See, too often times when we read the Bible, at least for me, I like to pick a character in the story and I, and I try to identify with that person. And I'm reading through the scripture, I'm reading through the Bible, and I'm like, yeah, I want to be Daniel in the lion's den. No, you don't. The only reason you want to be Daniel in the lion's den is because you know the end of the story. That's the only reason. If you were then, you would not have wanted to be Daniel in the lion's den. You would have been one of the dudes that threw Daniel in the lion's den, or one of the lions. Oh, you think? Oh, man, I want to I wanna be David in the story of David and Goliath. No, you don't. Dad disowned him. Brothers hated him. He was on a suicide mission. Standing before Goliath. That's who you want to be. See, you want to be that person because you know the you know the end of the story. And so it's easy to put ourselves in, oh yeah, I want to be that. That's who I want to be. Who do you want to be in the New Testament? I want to be Jesus. <laughs> he walked on water. I want to be Jesus. Did you fast forward a little bit in the Gospels and read about Jesus? Well, I don't want to be that Jesus. <laughs> I want to be the Jesus that opened blind eyes and healed body. That's what I want to be. We try to put ourselves, I'll be, I'll be Paul. 
wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I thought, oh, look at that dude. Yeah, do you know where he wrote it from? He wrote it from prison. Well, I want to be, I want to be Paul stranded on the beach, not Paul in prison. Just palm trees and margaritas. That's all I want to be. So we try to pick a character. So we look at this, and certainly we don't want to be Jesus in the story. So, well, who, who could I be? Pilate, maybe? Maybe I could be one of the, the people. I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the religious people because they get a bad rap. I, want, I, want to be, I don't want to be one of the Roman soldiers either because they get, they, they get just look dumb later in the story. I'll, I'll, maybe in this one I'll just be one of the bystanders. I'll just be right over here and I'll just be like, oh, man, this is horrible. I can't believe, man, the Jews, they're horrible people. Ah, poor Jesus guy. Oh, Barabbas, he gets to go? But he's a murderer. The reality is this, is if we really want to put ourselves in the text, we are Barabbas. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, before there was a resurrection of Jesus Christ, was a reality to Barabbas. Three days before it even happened. If we could put ourselves really in Barabbas' shoes, most studies would show that the prisons were, were really cisterns underground and they were more like dungeons. You didn't see daylight. And so when his door opened and he was let out, it was literally almost as if a stone was being rolled away from a tomb. He was stepping out into daylight again for the first time. I mean, think about it for a minute. We have, we have Barabbas, who is a rebel. And then we have Jesus, who's accused of being a rebel. We have guards guarding Barabbas' cell, and we have guards guarding the tomb of Jesus. Oh, the great part about the story is we know the end. Not only was Barabbas' door open and Barabbas got to go free, but the great part about it is that we know that three days later, Jesus Christ rose again from the grave. Amen? Amen. So that you and I could have a brand new life. And I think that's what makes the story so great is because God knew in what he was doing that was he not only setting Barabbas free, he was not only setting you and me free, but he knew that his son had the resurrection power inside of him and he too would be set free and rise again from the grave. The power of sin defeated and the power of death defeated. And is this not the hope of Easter that we celebrate today? The miracle of Easter is that Christ took all my sins. No, Christ took all of our sins. And even better yet, Christ took all the sins of all of humanity and he put it upon himself. Shed his blood on a cross for them was buried in the grave for three days, then rose again so that you and I could rise and have a brand new life in him. This is the hope of Easter that you and I, that all humanity can have new life, a new beginning. And Barabbas experienced it in that moment, the only one that can say in out of all of history that Christ physically took his spot. I, Barabbas was held up in a real cell. 
you and I are held up in real cells, but too oftentimes we're held up in, in spiritual cells. We're held up in cells in our mind. Barabbas could do nothing to work himself out of this dungeon. You and I can do nothing to work ourselves out of our sin, our shame, our guilt, our condemnation. Christ did it. As I'm reading the story of Barabbas, and I put myself in this moment, I have to think about if I was thrown in a cell for my sins, what would those sins be? And I have to think about that if it was me sitting there on that trial day. Oh yeah, people showed up, but not to defend me, to bear weight and witness against me. They would bring all my staff and they would line them up here. They'd bring my wife, my children, and they would ask these questions. Does your this person over here, what, what, what names does he go by? Well, he's, he's Ben Brinkman. Does he go by any other names? Well, he's, he's Benjamin Brinkman. But don't you, don't you call him dad? My daughters would answer yes. Is he a good dad all the time? He's my dad. Has he ever raised his voice at you? Has he ever yelled at you? Has he ever unjustly punished you? And then he would ask the staff, does he go by any other names? Well, yeah, he, he goes by pastor. Oh, pastor. Pastor. How do you like the sound of that, Pastor Ben? You like being called Pastor. Does it give you some sense of authority? Does it give you an ego? Let me ask you some questions, Pastor Ben. Have you ever committed adultery? Well, no, no, no. really? You've never looked at a, a woman in lust? Have you ever killed anybody, Pastor Ben? Well, no, I ha really, you've never been angry and had hatred towards somebody. Doesn't the Bible say, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery? If I was sitting there on my trial day, I'd have to plead guilty. But then there's one that showed up. And it's the same one that showed up on the day that Barabbas was scheduled to die. And his name is Jesus. And so today, on Resurrection Sunday, I understand this. I understand there can't be a resurrection without a crucifixion. And so I find myself looking at the cross again. Saying, I, I'm, I'm unworthy. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. I'm a liar. I'm Ben Brinkman. I don't deserve it, but he came to give it to me as a free gift. 
so that today, this Sunday, April 20th, 2014, I could stand here and declare to you the good news of Jesus Christ, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but in Christ Jesus, that debt, that sin, that, that, that writing that was written against you has been washed away. You're a free man. You're a free woman. Another has stepped in your place. You've been pardoned. You're free to go because of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.